Blackhawks forward Philip Kurashev finally had his arbitration case come to a conclusion this weekend. I'll break down all the final details from the two-year deal that he was awarded and also get into Scott Wheeler's top 10 drafted goalies list. All that and plenty more right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up, everyone? Welcome on in to another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Today is Monday, July 24th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman, as always. Go and show me some love on Twitter at Jack Bushman too, or you could also go and follow my strictly Blackhawks account at Talking Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And also, just a quick reminder to make sure to go and show some support if you haven't done so already. I know well over fifty percent of the viewers right now on YouTube are not subscribed to Lockdown Blackhawks. What are you doing? It only takes two seconds. It won't cost you anything. It really does help me out tremendously. I'm really trying to grow the show right now. And also that way you can get the latest episode as soon as it becomes available each and every day. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. As always, thank you all for joining me on another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks. And thank you all for making the show your very first listen here to start off your week. I hope everyone out there enjoyed themselves over the weekend. To kick things off here on the show as we're getting back into action here to start off the week, the final business of the offseason for the Chicago Blackhawks has finally gotten taken care of. It seemed like it took a couple of extra days there, but Philip Kurashev officially now has his new deal with the Chicago Blackhawks. He had his arbitration case late last week, and it kind of seemed like Blackhawks Twitter was expecting the announcement of his deal to come out on Saturday or Sunday. I was actually thinking about doing a special episode on Saturday, had the news dropped, uh, but we finally got the announcement yesterday on Sunday afternoon that Philip Kurashev was awarded a two-year deal through the 2024-2025 campaign with a $2.25 million AAV through those two years. And quite honestly, first and foremost, I will say, I was a little surprised that this is what the arbitrator awarded Philip Kurashev. He is coming off a year where he, he did set a career high in basically all major categories, right? 70 games played, nine goals, 16 assists for 25 points, career highs there, uh, really got his greatest opportunity at the NHL level in his three-year career so far was mostly uh, inside the Blackhawks top six for the greater portion of the year, but still for the production, 25 points in 70 games, only scored nine goals this past year. I was uh, a little bit surprised to see that it did wind up getting, uh, he wound up getting awarded all the way up to 2.25 million. I did say on the show uh, I believe it was a couple of weeks ago now that my guess as to what Philip Kershev would get would be a two-year deal somewhere between 2 to 2.25. I, I probably thought $2 million would have been like a more fair and accurate uh, AAV for Philip Kershev to get from the arbitrator, but 2.25, we're kind of splitting hairs here. I just thought it was interesting that he did get kind of a little bit more than I think most people around the Blackhawks thought that he was going to get. But at the same time, you can't really be upset 
about Philip Kershev getting that extra $0.25 million. I know I had some people uh, respond to my tweet about Kershev's new deal saying, you know, it was probably like $500,000 too much for a guy who, you know, really hasn't been all that consistent so far in his career. And I do understand that. And I agree with you, as I just outlined, I think it's Probably a little bit too much there for Kershev, but it's not going to matter to the Blackhawks whatsoever because while Philip Kershev is obviously in a much different situation than someone like Corey Perry or someone like Nick Felino, the financial aspect is all really the same. It's a two-year deal here for Philip Kershev, which the Blackhawks chose for this to be a two-year deal instead of a one-year contract. I think that would have been at somewhere around four to $4.5 million. I do believe they wanted Kershev under contract for these next two years to get a better, a a little bit better of an understanding. But as as far as his deal goes, it's not going to impact the Blackhawks whatsoever financially. We know this season, while they still have uh, a decent amount of cap space, despite making a few more moves than I probably anticipated, it's clear they're not going for it yet at this point in time. They know that their competitive window hasn't truly opened yet. So the financials for this season don't really matter. And while they could go out next summer and spend a lot more money considering it's a, it's a pretty quality free agent class next summer. I still don't think that $0.25 million is really going to matter. And I don't know if the Blackhawks are going to be right up against the cap uh, going into next year. So it probably won't matter. And also Davidson continues to give out these one, two-year deals that keeps the Blackhawks so flexible down the road, right? The only players they have signed on uh, beyond the, the 2023-2024 season uh, are Andreas Athanasiu and Connor Murphy and Seth Jones are the only guys that really have long contracts on this team right now. So a two-year deal, did Philip Kershev get a little bit too much? Probably, but it's not going to impact the Blackhawks whatsoever. Similar conversations, like I said, to what we had with Corey Perry and with Nick Felino. But for Philip Kershev moving forward these next two years, I do think this is a, a pretty crucial season for him because something I've talked about uh, on the show a couple of times and usually is kind of the motif around Kurashev whenever I do discuss him on the show. We see these flashes, right? Like he's got good speed. He's got decent playmaking ability. I don't think anyone really expects him to be a top six forward, but I think he still does have something to prove this upcoming season that he is a solidified NHLer and can be kind of that third liner of the future. I think that's kind of the bracket that we've penciled Philip Kurashev into is he has the potential. If he figures it out, if he gets a little bit more consistent and finds a way to kind of eliminate those nights, at least on a more consistent basis where he's just a complete absent ghost out there basically, and didn't contribute anything, you know, he's going to turn 24 here in the fall, it's kind of time for him to start rounding out his game with a little bit more consistency. But um, I do think it's going to be a really crucial year for him. He's obviously going to get an opportunity to play with more skilled players than he has really in his entire Blackhawks tenure so far, regardless of what role he has. And it is going to be interesting to see where the Blackhawks give Philip Kurashev an opportunity out of the gate and early on in the season because despite having those inconsistencies this past year, Kyle Davidson spoke really highly of Kurashev um, when, when he talked to the media in the offseason and they spoke about Kurashev needing to get a deal done. He was really impressed and probably uh, uh, was higher on Kurashev's season than really any fans were. So I'm going to be really interested to see is Philip Kurashev someone they're going to try to sneak maybe on that top line with 
Taylor Hall and Connor Bedard? Is he going to be playing maybe on the second line with Lucas Reichel, or are they going to try to drop him down to a third line role right out of the gate? Again, that's probably where I think he he kind of tops out in terms of his ceiling as a third line center slash winger, probably more so a winger at this point, hasn't been really good at the dot, but a third line forward that can contribute in many different ways. I think he you know, offensive consistency is one area he needs to work on. Defensively, I also think he can get stronger and kind of take on more of a shutdown role because that's probably what the Blackhawks are going to need for him to do in the future. They're looking like they're going to be pretty good on the offensive front with Connor Bedard, Oliver Moore, Lucas Reichel, and a lot of money that I'm sure they're going to spend on uh, forward free agents moving forward in the future. So the final uh, business, final piece of business for the Blackhawks offseason is now Finally been taken care of. Philip Kershev gets awarded a two-year deal with a $2.25 million AAV through the 2024-2025 campaign. All right, Blackhawks fans, coming up in just a moment, I'll be going over Scott Wheeler's top 10 drafted goalies list that he dropped last week, which featured three Blackhawks netminders. But first, I need to talk to you all about FanDuel. Make your home run trot over to FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount and bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 that you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over under to who you think is going to hit the first home run all on an app that's safe secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, FanDuel pays you out instantly. There's no better place to bet on the MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets, win or lose, with your first bet. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, we're back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Real quick, before I get into segment two, if you haven't done so already, if you're still tuned into this part of today's video, make sure to go and hit that subscribe button for me. It's not going to cost you anything, and it really does help me out tremendously. It only takes two seconds to go and click that button. Please help your boy out, and if you're subscribed to the YouTube channel, plus you're following Lockdown Blackhawks on Instagram, you'll have a chance to win some cool free Blackhawks stuff with the giveaway that I'm having right now. All you got to do, subscribe to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube, follow Lockdown Blackhawks on Instagram, and quickly DM Lockdown Blackhawks on Instagram, a screenshot that proves you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. I recently posted some pictures on Instagram of the stuff that's going to be involved in the giveaway, the stuff that I am giving away, and the lucky winner will be able to choose uh, one item that they want. So make sure to go do all of that to have an opportunity to win some cool free Blackhawk stuff courtesy of yours truly here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. All right, segment two, I did want to get into Scott Wheeler's top 10 drafted goalies list that he dropped late last week. And on the show last week as well, I broke down uh, Scott Wheeler's top 50 drafted prospects list, which of course featured four Blackhawks skaters inside the top 30. Frankie 
the tanky Nazar, uh, of course, wound up finding his way on there as well at number 50. And I figured, you know, we're in a little bit of a slow point here in the offseason. It's fun to kind of have these conversations looking at not only Blackhawks prospects and getting a little bit more familiar with them, but also taking a look across the NHL and seeing how Scott Wheeler has these prospects ranked and just getting a little bit more information on Uh, a lot of future netminders and future skaters for NHL organizations. So I think it's a fun little thing to get into. Uh, And a lot of these guys, particularly at the top of the list, have been some pretty high-end selections in the past few years uh, in the NHL draft. And as I referenced during the intro, we will find one Blackhawks goaltender prospect within Scott Wheeler's top 10, and then we'll have a couple others that made his honorable mentions list as well. So stay tuned to find out where they land on this list. Started things off, though, without any further ado. Coming in at number one for Scott Wheeler's top 10 drafted goalies ranking is Jesper Wallstead, first-round pick for the Minnesota Wild. Uh, He was the 20th overall pick, surprisingly, in the 2021 NHL draft, and I was quite flabbergasted by that, the fact that he wasn't the first goalie taken off the board, because remember, this was a year where the Blackhawks, we thought they were going to be picking sixth overall. They wind up making that trade for Seth Jones, so I was in the loop with a lot of these prospects that were uh, supposed to go high in the first round, and in my mind, Jesper Wallstead was undoubtedly the best goaltender in that draft wound up being the second netminder taken behind someone. I'll break down a little bit further in this list, but Wallstead made the trip over to North America, played his first season over here last year, playing for the Iowa wild and the AHL. And for being only 20 years old, he really performed very well. We actually uh, got a little bit of a look at him at the Tom Curvers prospect showcase in the fall. And I thought he looked pretty solid for the most part there someone that certainly has a bright future, 2.68 goals against average, 908 save percentage, and one shutout in 38 games with the Iowa Wild last year. I'm not exactly sure if he's going up to the NHL to be the backup or if they're going to leave him there for another year in Iowa, but we're going to be seeing Jesper Wallstead at the NHL level sometime very soon. That is abundantly clear, and I fully understand why Wheeler had him Uh, number one on his list. Coming in at number two, another very intriguing goaltender prospect. This one, though, from the 2020 NHL draft, and that's Yaroslav Askarov from the Nashville Predators. He just turned 21 years old this past year, and kind of like Wallstead, he actually made the journey over to North America for his first campaign in the States, played for the Milwaukee Admirals uh, of the Central Division in the AHL, and Before I go any further, it's going to be some tough sledding for the Blackhawks here in the Central Division with Jesper Wallstead as the future netminder for the Wild and Askarov as the future netminder for the Nashville Predators. But it does make for an interesting case considering UC Soros is obviously playing still at a very high level. But speaking of playing at a very high level, that's what Askarov did for the Milwaukee Admirals this past season. 2.69 goals against average, 9-11 save percentage, and three shutouts in 48 games. The former number 11 overall pick in the 2020 draft is giving Jesper Walsett a run for his money, I think, here at the top. It's going to be interesting to see if uh, Askarov gets called up to the NHL level at all this year. The Predators do still have UC Saros, of course, as their number one, and they did bring back Kevin Lankin and former Blackhawks goaltender on another one-year deal to be his backup. Coming in at number three, we have Devin Levy from the Buffalo Sabres, who has been quite an intriguing prospect, particularly for his opportunities for 
uh, Team Canada in the past few years. He's still only 21 years old and finished up an absolutely dominant collegiate career with a, a show-stopping junior campaign with Northeastern. And then he wound up jumping right into the NHL level with the Buffalo Sabres late in the year. And in his first seven NHL games, he had a 2.94 goals against average and a 9.05 save percentage. So looking pretty good for Devin Levy, who was actually a draft pick of the Florida Panthers a handful of years ago, but was uh, traded up to Buffalo as part of the Sam Reinhart deal, along with a first round pick, which looks to be a pretty good deal for Buffalo and the bright future that they have in their prospect pool. Levy comes in at number three. Dustin Wolf of the Calgary Flames comes in at number four, another former seventh round pick way back in 2019. One of the older goalies on this list here at 22 years old, and you might uh, recognize him from being the goaltender for the United States the past couple of years as well. He's been in the Flames organization for the last couple of seasons and played really well um, for the uh, Stockton Flames, excuse me, and played really well for the Everett Silver Tips of the WHL before making the jump to the professional level. Could see Dustin Wolf up in the NHL for Calgary this upcoming season. At number five is the man who I referenced earlier that actually wound up getting drafted ahead of Jesper Wallstead. And that was big Sebastian Cossa, who the Detroit Red Wings took with the, uh, man, I didn't write it down. I think it was the 13th overall pick, potentially. I was definitely shocked, though, that Cossa ended up going before Jesper Wall said he did have a fantastic junior career, but it was kind of hard to judge because the team that he played for, the Edmonton Oil Kings, who some of you Blackhawks fans may remember, Jalen Lipen played for that team before getting traded to the Tri-City Americans. They were an absolute juggernaut. Before the Seattle Thunderbirds were a juggernaut this year, that was the Edmonton Oil Kings uh, a couple of years ago. And I think I said last year, a couple of years ago. But Sebastian Costa was the guy who was backstopping that team. And um, there, there are still just a little bit of question marks about his game since they drafted him. He made actually uh, the jump to the professional level last year, but wound up playing mostly in the ECHL, which is a league that's pretty tough to judge goalies because the talent level obviously on the ice is below the AHL level. And that results in the defenseman not being as good. It's just a tough league usually for goalies. So it's tough to uh, accurately gauge where Sebastian Costa is. He's got the size, but there are still a little bit concerns uh, and that's why he slides down at number five, despite being the first goalie off the board in 2020. Fellow Red Wings netminder prospect Trey Augustine uh, comes in at number six here, the third goalie off the board in the 2023 NHL draft. I actually had him ranked as the third best goalie um, from the United States Development Program. Uh, obviously, is going to be far away from the NHL level since he just got drafted this year. So it's going to be interesting to see how Augustine continues to develop. But a good one-two punch that the Red Wings have in that moving forward with Casa and Augustine. Michael Harabal, who I had as the first goalie, uh, had ranked as the first goalie in the 2023 NHL draft. Six foot six. Wound up being the second goalie off the board because the Blackhawks selected Adam Guyon with the 35th overall pick. But for Harabal, uh, like a lot of Checks this past season made the jump to the United States Hockey League at the midway point of the year, wound up playing for the Omaha Lancers. Really good goalie prospect that I was a little uh, surprised. The Blackhawks, I, I mean, they went and got their guy. I, I like the pick of Adam Guy on because they stuck to their guts, and I'm sure Kyle Davidson felt great about it. But truthfully, I did have Harabal ranked a high, uh, ahead of him, and obviously so does Scott Wheeler with him coming in at number seven. At number eight is Lucas Dostoe. 
of the uh, Anaheim Ducks, third round pick in 2018. He's now 23 years old. Someone we've kind of seen at the NHL level in spurts these last few years. He's played in uh, 23 NHL games over that stretch, but now it seems like it's finally time for him to make that full-time leap for Anaheim this upcoming season. Coming in at number nine is Piotr Kochetkov, who I actually saw uh, post a shutout against the Blackhawks early on in this past season. I was really impressed with what I saw from him, and quite honestly, he'd be an NHLer if Carolina just wasn't so deep in net. Um, but there, there were some Canes fans pushing for him to be in the Calder Trophy race, despite him only playing 29 games and then getting sent back down to the AHL level. But a very good young prospect. Uh, he is 25 years old, so I guess not young. He is the oldest one on this list, but uh, did some good stuff for the Chicago Wolves nearby team here as well these past couple of seasons in the AHL level. Feels like it's his time to move up. And then coming in at number 10, is none other than former Blackhawks second round pick in the 2020 NHL draft, Drew Camesso, baby. Drew, who's finally making the jump to the professional level after wrapping up his junior year with Boston University. A very impressive season there, 24 and 8. And kind of started the season slow. It's kind of been a theme we've seen of Drew Camesso these last two years in college hockey. Didn't really play all that well out of the gate, but then really. Got it going late in the year, obviously was a big part in BU, making it so far and making it to the Frozen Four this year. But I'm super excited to see what Drew Comesso is going to do with Rockford this upcoming season because I've been waiting for him the last three years. Um, And he's kind of an interesting goalie prospect because there's nothing that really stands out about him, but there's also not any glaring weaknesses, right? Like he's six foot two, kind of a... Okay-ish size for the modern-day goalie. You know, a lot of teams want him 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", these days. Camesso's 6'2". He's not the most athletic, but he's just sturdy. He makes all the saves that he should. He's not as dynamic and flexible and making the highlight real saves that Adam Guyon is capable of, but he's also very technically sound. Doesn't really get off of his angle well. Like I said, makes all the saves that he should. Sharp rebounds has a good demeanor, doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low, and also has just gotten a ton of really good opportunities these last few years. And you can tell the United States and their national program have wanted to kind of prime Drew Comesso for what's coming in the future when he could be their goalie of the future. I don't think that's crazy to say. That's why they sent him to the World Championships. They sent him to the Olympics. He's got a ton of great experience for a kid that's only – I believe 21, 22 years old. I don't have it right in front of me, but super mature, a ton of good experience for his age. I'm really high on Drew Comesso and super excited for what he's going to be in the future. Uh, Very crucial season for him coming up. First pro year with the Rockford Ice Hogs. And then outside of the top 10, Scott Wheeler did go on to list off a handful uh, of honorable mentions. And we saw two other Blackhawks goaltenders crack that list in Arvid Soderbloom and Adam Guyon. Guyon, of course, was the first goaltender off the board this year. Super dynamic, uh, really jumped onto the scene with his play at the World Juniors, led the Czech Republic, passed the United States, did everything in his power to try to take down Connor Bedard in Canada before he scored that highlight real goal. Uh, And then for Harvard Soderbloom, I know it wasn't the, the ending to the season that we wanted and he wasn't as consistent in Rockford as maybe we had hoped, but it was kind of a tough year for him having to go up and down and up and down and never be in the same spot. I'm still high on Arvid Soderbloom, and I'm really excited to see how he's going to fare in the backup role next season. And quite honestly, I kind of expect him to take that job from Peter Mrazek 
at some point in the campaign if things do go well. So uh, I'm high on both of those Blackhawks goalies as well. And another thing I wanted to kind of mention before we go into segment three here, there is a little bit of a goalie logjam for the Chicago Blackhawks right now. Obviously, Adam Guyon isn't going to be going pro for three to four years, right? He's still going to play in the USHL for the Green Bay Gamblers. Then next year is going to be his freshman season with the University of Minnesota Duluth. I expect him to play at least three, if not four years there. And we honestly see a lot of goalies wind up playing all four years of college hockey. Guyon is still a ways away, but it is interesting to see the Blackhawks have Arvid Soderbloom, have Drew Comesso making the leap to the pro level next year. And then, of course, Jackson Stauber is someone who uh, didn't really put up very good numbers in the AHL, but in his short tenure up in the short stint up in the NHL with the Blackhawks, he looked really solid. I think, you know, the jury's still out on him, but if things go well for Stauber, it's going to make for an interesting dynamic. And it almost feels like someone's going to have to be the odd man out for the Blackhawks goalie group moving forward. Now, at the same time, obviously is probably a welcomed problem for the Blackhawks organization, right? And you don't see many NHL clubs have multiple solid goalie prospects in the organization at the same time. So it's certainly not an issue that you're going to be too upset about, but it's just something to keep an eye on moving forward. Which one of these guys are going to be the Blackhawks goalie of the future? Is it going to be Comesso? Is it going to be Soderblom? Is it going to be Guyon? Is Jackson Stauber going to somehow steal the show? It's going to be a very interesting dynamic to watch in that for the Blackhawks in these next few years of their rebuild. All right, folks, don't go anywhere because coming up in just a moment, I still have to get into my weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment. All right, before I wrap things up, I do want to let you all know about the cool stuff that I have planned for Lockdown Blackhawks in these next few weeks. Of course, make sure to go and subscribe to the YouTube channel, smash the like button, comment down below, all that good stuff that helps generate the SEO over to the channel. Also, make sure to follow Lockdown Blackhawks on Instagram as well if you want to have a chance to win some cool free stuff in the giveaway that I'm having at this point in time. I'm also obviously starting to break down other teams here in the Central Division. I've already gone over uh, the St. Louis Blues, the Nashville Predators, the Winnipeg Jets. Coming up next, I think I'm going to be taking a look at the Colorado Avalanche. And I'm also going to start having Central Division crossover episodes come out on the channel where I'm having conversations with the other Central Division hosts here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. So make sure that you are subscribed to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube and turn on those notifications so you don't miss out on any of the good stuff that I have planned for these next few weeks. All right, segment three. Before I wrap things up on today's show, still got to get into my weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment where I answer a question from a few lucky listeners right here on Lockdown Blackhawks. And by the way, make sure to reach out with your question if you have one. I'll answer it live on the show here next week. Very easy for you to do so. Hit me up on Twitter. Slide into my DMs at Jack Bushman too. You can DM at Talk and Hockey at capital L capital O underscore Blackhawks on Twitter as well. I also have a community tab on my YouTube channel where every week I say drop your mailbag Monday comments. You can go and drop your comment there or you can also go and email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. But if you have a Blackhawks question, you want your boy over here to answer it live on the show, please make sure to reach out. I really do enjoy this segment. And in order to keep continuing this segment, I also need some interaction from you, the listeners out there. So make sure to reach out with your questions if you could. 
I'd greatly appreciate it. The first question I want to get into today comes from Lee Thomas, 5830. I know a longtime listener here on the show, Lee. Thank you very much for all your support. I really do appreciate you. Lee asked on YouTube, wonder who's going to get number 10 next. Do you think Chelios and Siebes number seven be retired together? Maybe Larmer next? Yeah, some good questions there. Um, Number 10 is a weird one. Obviously, you would have thought Corey Perry. I don't know how that conversation went. I don't know if he even tried or if he didn't try or if the Blackhawks told him no. Patrick Sharp's in a weird situation, right? He was obviously a three-time Stanley Cup winner with the Blackhawks. There was only a handful of those guys. It still feels like he's just not held in that exact same breath as Duncan Keith or Jonathan Taves or Patrick Kane. So I wouldn't be shocked if Patrick Sharp winds up not having his jersey retired, but it still feels like something has to happen. I mean, shoot, man. Marion Hosa, I know Hosa played a bigger impact, but Sharpie was here from... From the ground up, man, it's really tough. I personally would love to see Sharpie get his jersey retired, and I think he deserves it. Will that happen? Something just tells me no, but we'll see. I'm, I'm going to be obviously holding my hopes out on that. Uh, as far as Chelios and Siebes number seven go getting retired together, yeah, that's a toughie too because you would have thought Chris Chelios would have had his his number retired, but it was probably just during a weird era where Brent Seabrook was really like ushering himself into becoming a really big staple of this team. And what are you going to remove the number from him right after that? Right? Like it's, it's an interesting dynamic as well, but personally, I I do think Chris Chelios is obviously deserving of his number being retired as well. And I think it would be cool to see those two have their numbers retired together. I don't think either of them would be offended by that. As far as Steve Larmer goes, I just don't see it. I mean, what I know tab Bamford uh, tweets about it every opportunity that he can. I didn't grow up with Steve Larmer, so I didn't get to see it. Maybe that skews me one way or the other. It just feels like if it hasn't happened yet, it's not going to happen for Steve Larmer. It feels like Chris Chelios being number seven along with Brent Seabrook kind of forces him almost into that conversation because if you just retire Seabs and you don't retire Chelios, I know Seabrook accomplished more, but let's not kid ourselves here. Chris Chelios was the better player. Um yeah, that, that would be just a little bit odd, right? But I, I just don't see it happening for Steve Larmer. As much as people think he is deserving of it, I'm sure he absolutely is. Again, I didn't get to see him play live. Just feels like it would have happened by now if that was going to be the case. Uh, next question I wanted to answer comes from Jim Loy, Loy Kono 6122 on YouTube. Jim, I hope I didn't butcher that. Uh, Jim asked, with players coming on and off the ice on the fly, how does the official scorer keep track of individual ice time? And I really appreciate Jim reaching out with this question. It's you know not just a typical Blackhawks one that I get. It's actually like a good question that I'm sure some of you listeners out there are wondering as well. I you know I assumed so I, I went and did a little bit more uh, due diligence on this, but of course it's the off the ice officials and the stat keepers who are keeping track of that. And I believe I read. There's maybe as many as 20 watching a single game at the same time with just everything that goes into it, right? Especially in today's era where you can bet on like shots on goal and block shots and hits and stuff like that. Like you need as many eyes from up in the press box, not on the ice watching the game as possible in order to keep all the stats properly kept track of and officiated and everything. So yeah, uh, there's also technology today that's helping keep, keep track of something like ice time in particular, a little bit easier, but a good question there, Jim, it's the off ice officials who are all keeping track of that. 
And uh, that's what makes some things like shots on goal or scoring chances. You know, when, when I take a look at some of the uh, analytics that get posted for each and every game, it kind of does depend on the stat keeper for those type of statistics. Time on ice though, is not something you judge. It's obviously a little more black and white, but that's how they do keep track of time on ice in the NHL gym. Next question comes from Quinn Hoffman. 5148 on YouTube who asked, what young player do you think will have a breakout season next year and show they can play a role when this team is ready to contend in a few years? I got a couple ones here. First, um, outside of, you know, like Connor Bedard and Lucas Reichel, um, I'm going to go with Cole Gutman, man. I I know we only saw a, a short stint from him, but the way that he plays really did remind me a little bit of Brandon Hagel. And I know there were like some hopes that, Obviously, Andres Bjork didn't get brought back and neither did Austin Wagner that maybe someone like that would be able to take a little bit of a leap and maybe become the next Sam Lafferty. I think Cole Gutman is really the one in the organization who is going to take that next step this upcoming season. I really like his game and I think he's going to solidify himself as a middle six forward for the Blackhawks there in the rebuild. I have Cole Gutman on the defensive side of things. I don't know if it's under the radar, but I think Isaac Phillips is going to be really sturdy for a long time to come. And he's finally just just now starting to to really put together how to play with his size. I think once he gets more reps and just gets older and kind of just turns into more of a grown man, I think he's going to be a physical defensive stalwart for the Blackhawks for a long, long time. Last question I get here from Bedard's Burner, which is one of the best YouTube names out there. With the salary cap expected to go up significantly over the coming years, do you expect max contracts to increase as well, or will teams be able to simply afford more max contract players on their rosters? I do expect that the max contract will be going up probably sometime in the next two years. It's about time for that to happen as we've been stuck in this flat cap era where we've kind of seen those max deals, which to be honest, you don't see very often in hockey like you do in the NBA. There are only a few guys who are truly capable of earning that max deal, but I would assume, again, it's an assumption. I don't know if that's ever a good thing. I would assume the max deals are uh, going to go up as well with more talent coming into the game and just the game generating more money. I think it only makes sense for the max deal to go up as well. So that would be my assumption once we do finally see the Stanley Cup make that leap up past uh, $82.5 million. All right, folks, I think that is going to take care of Monday, July 24th episode of Locked On Blackhawks. As always, thank you all again for tuning into the show, and make sure to go and show some support if you haven't done so already. Go and subscribe to Locked On Blackhawks on YouTube. Go and follow Locked On Blackhawks for free wherever you may be listening to your podcast, and that way you can get the latest episode as soon as it becomes available each and every day. As always, I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Check me out and follow me on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. So until tomorrow's episode, that's going to do it here for the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.